Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Command Point. My name's Ryan, and today I am joined by my co-host Shane and Command Point's chief analyst, Sean. And uh, we are going to be talking about the Bay Area tournament simulation because we are headed into the semifinals. Uh, right now, we're going to just wrap up the top eight, basically, talk about some things that surprised us, uh, what factions performed well, what factions did not perform so well, and uh, stuff like that. Also, uh, this is our twentieth. Uh, this is our twentieth episode. So yeah, little uh, little golf clap. Awesome. Little round of nice. round of nice. applause. We've made it to twenty episodes. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Uh, so talking about the corner finals. Sorry, we've got six factions uh, that have made their way into the quarterfinals. Uh, we had Astartes with uh, two Astartes players, Drakari with one Drakari player, two Necron players, Heretic Astartes uh, with one player, Tyranids with one player, and Thousand Sons with one player. So um, just off the bat, uh, what do you guys think of these factions making it into top eight? Is there anything about this that surprised you or... I'm surprised I made it in with Tyranids, <laughs> but I don't know if that was my lack of faith in myself or my lack of faith in Tyranids. Um, but yeah, it's um, well, this is we're recording this on Tuesday night and on Tuesday afternoon, I was eliminated. Um, the uh, the Lich Guards carry uh, war sides, but they might as well have been fly swatters because I like walked into that arena and just got just brutally smashed. So. Yeah, yeah th that was just about. I was talking in chat a lot during that game on Twitch. Um, and I honestly think that Big Bug Tyranids versus like Lich Guard spam Necrons is one of the worst matchups in Kill Team. Like I seriously think it's up there with like Harlequins versus Grey Knights. <laughs> so so sorry to interject. So when you say Lich Guard spam, how many are we talking? Five. Oh geez. five five Lich Guard, two flayed ones. Yeah, hundred and twenty points. Yeah. It's still not even max points cost. All right, yeah. I mean, it was just there was really nothing. I don't. I don't think there was much you could have done, Sean. Uh, it was. I don't even think in the entire game you were able to even make it like bring him to an injury roll. No, I got a wound in on um, on two guys, but I didn't make it to the injury roll. No, oh. so it was. Um, yeah, and I I tried to play around with with a lot of different builds. Um, my Gorgon list has two Lictors on it, and then it has uh, nine Raveners mixing uh, with a mix of double Scything Talons versus Rending Claws. Uh, and then it has eight Gene Stealers. Uh, seven of them have Toxin Sacks. And then um, the one Hormagaunt, just because I found that with a lot of builds, I had four points left, and that would be an extra body. Um, it also worked out nice that I can, like, swap out a Ravener for a Gene Stealer and a Hormagon if I just wanted an extra body around. Um, and yeah, it, it's they're really tough because their uh, Lich Guards are, are toughness five and have a three up save. And then they're also just monsters when they attack. Strength seven, um, two attacks, AP minus four, two damage. It, it's just dumb. And all that's for 20 points. Um, oh yeah, and a six reanimates. So... Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, in typical me faction, I, I did a lot of math leading up to it. And um, I almost dropped out a Lictor so that I can fit in two Gene Stealers in its place. 
Um, but then when I looked at it, you know, Lictors are strength six. That was my best chance at uh, actually taking out a Lich Guard. Um, and I ran the numbers, and it was like a, a two out of three chance of actually getting to an injury roll. Um, so, you know, I think I positioned well in turns one and two, and I got a bunch of charges off. Um, and then the one Lictor just uh, whiffed. Um, it, I rolled a one to hit, and then I missed a wound, and he made the one four up save that he had to. And then he did a decisive strike. Well, we both did decisive strike. He won the roll off, so his combat spec took out my other Lictor. Um, so after that, my Raveners and Gene Stealers only have like a one in three chance of actually taking out a Lich Guard in combat, but he's he's like a two you know two out of three chance of of killing me in each of those. So so I kind of knew that it would have to be super aggressive and be striking first if I w actually like wanted to take him out. And uh, I got in that position, but the dice still weren't with me. Um, you know, but it was it was going to be an uphill battle anyway. You know, I don't ha I can't keep him at range because I don't have any range in the list except for flush hooks, um, and it's all about spamming, you know, str um, strength four zero AP attacks with raveners, and that doesn't do too well against toughness five three up save two wounds. So, uh, so yeah, I lost nineteen to four. Um, it was a fun list to play with. You know, I definitely would make some changes, but. Um, you know, bugs are cool. Yeah, I was going to say, that's actually uh, the first top eight performance from Tyranid since uh, MAGFest. And if you want to go beyond that, because MAGFest was only really like 14 uh, players, um, I think Nova 2019. So congrats to you, Sean. Yeah, yeah thanks. I mean, you had a good run. You pretty much ran into the the worst possible brick wall <laughs> matchup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was hoping for glory and taking out Necrons, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Maybe it if we is if we what it is. Yeah. If we let them keep winning, maybe somebody will do something about it. That's a good idea, <laughs> Shane. You want to just throw? <laughs> 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 All right. No, Sitch was awesome. Yeah. He was very apologetic, even though he didn't need to be. You know, why wouldn't you take a list like that? Like, it's it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Good guy. Yeah, I mean, he's got a pretty commanding um, grip on those Necrons. He plays them really well. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Necron dominance, so far in this game, they have won uh, 18 games and have only lost six games. And there were five Necron players, if I'm not mistaken, going into this 64-player tournament. Yeah. So pretty pretty dominant performance out of the Necrons. Um, yeah. It's an 18-6 win-loss. That's shocking. <laughs> That's the best one. It's the best one. Every, yeah. Every single um, Necron player made it out of groups, and two have made it to the quarterfinals. One has already made it to the semifinals. So, Yeah. Yeah, um, the only the only other faction that has uh, two players make it to the quarterfinals uh, is Astartes. Just for comparison's sake, uh, the the win loss for Astartes as a whole, which is they're the they were the most represented faction in this tournament. I think there were like seven players or something like that. But the uh, the win loss for Astartes is twenty one and twenty one. 
they've won 50% of their games. Now, like, that is, it's also factoring in, like, some mirror matches that have taken place. But e- even then, like, the disparity is, uh, it's, uh, it's just interesting to me. Let's take a look at Drakari for a bit, because Drakari were kind of seen almost as like a front runner faction going into this tournament. You know, it's on arena. They got those mandrakes that can move really fast. They got the grotesques and the the zealot clavex that can just like cut through everything. Um, but this this faction, they've only had one player make it to the finals. And their win loss is it's a uh, 16 games won to 11 games lost for a win percentage of 59%. So not that great a performance from the Jakari. Um, it's it's good. It's just not like they aren't world beaters. They're they're they kind of are who we thought they were. They're a very strong faction with a lot of good matchups, but they're not unbeatable. Yeah, they were the second most represented. Uh, faction in this tournament looks like uh, seven players, I think. Yeah, if I'm reading that graph correctly, yeah. Um, followed by Necrons with five. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, there's some strong factions up on the top. Uh, I mean, Astartes are the most represented, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find many tournaments where Astartes aren't the most represented, just because of the popularity. just because yeah, just because they're the poster boys for the. For the 41st millennium. For the game, lots of starter sets. Um, you know, right. I definitely, I see a lot of, like, first strike uh, models and conversions being painted up. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are, are getting into it through those box sets. And there's just such a huge, diverse range of Astartes. So it's almost unfair to, like, count them all under one umbrella. You know, there are 12 Astartes, but, you know, we broke down the difference between... Um, a salamander's list versus a uh, blood angel's list. So right. uh, there are just so many ways you can go. Yeah. So you were talking about first strike models. Uh, in the other half of those first strike boxes are uh, Death Guard. And I want to talk, <laughs> talk about Death Guard a little bit because some people, like I think it was like coming along in this tournament that we were potentially seeing like a resurgence. You know, it's on arena, so... It's just the closer confines you would think would kind of work in their favor. Um, there's like middle objectives in the board that they got to hold. There's domination. They're so resilient with the uh, disgusting. They're disgustingly resilient. <laughs> um, but evidently that's not the case because they've got a win loss ratio of one in eight yeah, in this and that's tournament. Including Janice. So, yeah. Like I, in my eyes, Death Guard are, I don't think they're very good. Uh, I think they're in kind of a bad spot right now. Um, they're so slow. Uh, their best play style, which is Poxwalker spam, is is not viable on this format um, of kill hold. They're right. giving up way too many kills with the Poxwalkers. Um, and uh, on top of that, I mean, right now, like, Another thing that we've seen creep up with kill hold is people are taking, you know, more killy models, stronger models. And I think this is kind of hurting not just the pox, like the Poxwalker ideas, but like you're paying a lot. You're paying kind of a premium for that toughness five on a plague marine. Um, and toughness five is is not the best thing that that you can get for for extra 
points on basically a Marine equivalent. Yeah. Um, it's not hard to overcome that, uh, especially when everybody's taking, you know, like, like power fists or, or you have like a ton of attacks with high AP, um, just stuff like that, that we're seeing all over the meta. Uh, I, I just think that death guard are in a tough position right now. Um, you could take that blight Lord, which is a, like a really strong model, but it's like four inch movement. You're like dividing your advanced rolls in half. So you can go like seven max. Um, it's, I don't know. Yeah. If there's a way to make death guard work in the current meta with BAO and, and God forbid you're on an open board. Um, I haven't figured it out. Um, I don't know. Janice was having some success with it at like real life tournaments earlier in the year. Um, obviously didn't translate here, but like there's no doubt that Janice is a good player and she's kind of struggled here. So I don't know. I don't know what to do with death guard. Yeah. I mean, you and I, we, we both played death guard uh, in the round of 32 in the group stage, I should say. At least I, I played in the group stage. I don't remember when your game against the Death Guard was, but both of our games they they were pretty close. So I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I, it's, I played I mean, a close game against uh, my opponent who played Death Guard. Uh, we talked about it a little in the last episode. Uh, it was it was straight Poxwalker spam. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, so I mean, I say that it's not viable at all. But the guy scored eighteen points against me. Um, it was probably one of the better maps that you could have taken Poxwalker spam on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pretty much got all of his objectives, but I mean, he just couldn't overcome in the primary. I mean, I was, I was getting a lot more kills than him and uh, yeah. it was just kind of, it was hard to keep up. Yeah. Death Guard, it seems like it just kind of throws it down like a gauntlet in front of you. Like, you know what it's going to do. It's going to be slow. They're, they're going to be hard to kill. Um, you know, if, if you're going after the Marines, you're going to have to get through lots of bodies, but that's kind of all they do. And if you can figure out how to cut through that and attack the problem appropriately, then I don't know that they have a ton of ways to respond to that. So um, it, it, I don't want to take anything away from like good death card players or, or say they're easy to play or hard to play or, you know, but it almost puts more ownership of the game in the hands of the other player to figure out how to appropriately address the problem. And if you don't figure it out, you lose. <laughs> and if you do figure it out, um, then you're going to take out Death Guard. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's either going to make you look really good or really bad when you play against them because they're, they're, they're pretty good at doing one thing. But that's it. I guess probably the biggest surprise for me so far in this tournament was the fact that um, uh, Matt Howell uh, was running Heretic Astartes this tournament and he wound up getting eliminated by Necrons. He got eliminated by Necrons, uh, if everyone remembers. Uh, he ran Necrons at our last tournament, which was the open LVO format, where he won that tournament. Um, undefeated. Undefeated, that's right. <laughs> Comes into this tournament with Heretic Astartes, runs him, goes undefeated, again, until he gets knocked out by Necrons. Yeah, I mean, Necrons are uh, disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even want to talk about them anymore. I don't even want to think about Necrons anymore. Yeah, um, I'm just bringing this up because <laughs> of what he said immediately after the game. Now, in our we we had interviewed him previously after he had won the uh, the command point invitational, and I asked him point blank if he thought that Necrons were overpowered, 
And at that time, he said no. After that game took place in the Discord, <laughs> immediately after, I see him type, Necrons are overpowered, ban the whole faction, <laughs> and we got to fix reanimation protocols. So, <laughs> Games Workshop, if you're listening, one of your best Necron players is uh, saying they're overpowered. So, get on it, man. Yeah, I was talking to him a little bit about it uh, earlier today. And, I mean, I think the main thing that we kind of agree on is that reanimation protocols needs to get fixed. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny. There's like, I think there's like a million different ways you could fix it mm-hmm. or like, or like make it less oppressive. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, I also think there's other things like I think glitch cards are weirdly underpriced. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've always thought this, but like, especially recently, it's like really been obvious to me. Um, I mean, comparing, I, I know I don't always like to cross reference, like cross compare, the point cost for different factions models but just like watching your game today sean and watching a 20 point lictor just like paint the wall with a 25 point uh or uh, sorry a 20 point lich guard paint the wall with a 25 point lictor um and then like thinking about like like a really cheap terminator with like barely anything kitted out is like 28 points maybe and that's far worse than a lich guard who's 20 points and like it's it's just crazy how ridiculous that model is. Um, oh yeah, and like you know, especially with Novak being a thing, you know, they're yeah. If if you have to give them one like down, well, okay, so they, they don't shoot. So if you can keep them at range and, and take them out that way with power, you know, sure, you know, they might have four other ones in the list, but uh, you can do that. Um, but they, they have two attacks, so you can hope they're just gonna whiff. But then you get Novak. So, you know, when you have a weapon, when you have a model that's doing two attacks at hitting on threes, wounding on threes, maybe even twos, AP minus four, native, like not even like a roll of six on the to wound or anything like that, and then two damage, it's like that's going to one shot most things in the game. Yeah, uh, unless it's an invul or like, you know, I happen to be running big bugs. So, yeah, there are a couple that survived one phase because he only got one of those through. Um, and then he just, did, you know, did it again. Um, it, I, I, yeah. And I, and I don't think it's fair to, to, uh, to compare across factions, but even within their own faction, it's like they don't need that model to cost 20 points. Like, they're fine. <laughs> they yeah. don't need it. Yeah. So, so yeah, Novak in combination with that model. It, and then reanimation, it's just stupid. It's all stupid. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th- this conversation, I apologize for going for driving us into that ground. We were originally talking about Heretic Astarte, so I, I want to circle back and talk about them a little bit. Um, once again, they went 9-1, and one, performed really well. Um, uh do you guys want to talk a little bit about like kind of like the the builds that we've seen out of them? Anything out of the ordinary? For a while, you could have said that Matt was doing more of a cultist spam, but by the time he hit a knockout stage, he had kind of switched over to a more even mix of berserkers and cultists. Um, and the other player, Micromancer, has been running. Uh, he's been basically doing the same idea of like 
lot like lots of berserkers he's going to cap it around like 12 models maybe a little bit more most of the time um yeah i mean it's just it's a really strong faction <laughs> and there's there's not much else to like to touch on we're not seeing any other like sub factions here um from from these two players they're both renegade yeah. chapters for you know the reroll charges is an amazing ability so yeah and just um you know just consistency of of hits you know i'm just looking at berserker stats because i'm not as familiar with this faction but weapon skill three strength five so wounding on threes usually uh three attacks or even you know if it's not a champion i'm assuming two you know that's just going to consistently get you through to a save or an injury roll um and then when you add a power fist on top of that uh in some cases you're just like you can just kind of delete models and anytime y you have a model that can just run up and just step on something and not really have to you know you can enter that combat knowing that you're going to come out on top if you strike first it's like you know you put that in the hand of a player who can you know actually position them to delete specific problem models or you know claim a claim an objective on top of that and they're just gonna you know do really well um and then when you have a combination of second secondaries that ends up being one kill gives you like five points um you know it's just a great pick for the format um you know the berserker champions you know being able to do a lot of the hurt but then the cultists also there to to hold uh objectives to do things with doors, to even just be the second charge for a vicious assault point. Um, it's just a really nice balance of being able to have a couple bodies on the board that can just delete things, and then the rest of the cheap stuff to fill in, fill in the gaps that might have been uh, left there in a more just like strictly elite team. So they they can do a little bit of everything and cover their own weaknesses. I think um, I mean they just excel on arena. Just because they're so good at um, actually getting stuck in combat and then just fighting twice. That's perfect. I mean, it's perfect for Arena. You're clogging up hallways with those Astartes models after you lock down models by getting successful charges. Uh, any cultists you take, they just sit on the back objectives to net you. Engineer is sometimes, or um, more often than not, data recovery. And then take like bounty hunters or. Um, uh, what's another? I don't want to say Reaper. Basically, just bounty hunters. Bounty hunters engineer data recovery, and uh, they're really good at getting all the three of those. So, yeah, vicious assault too. Like vicious that, assault too. Yep. They, they're rerolling charges. They have a lot of models. They can do it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, total uh, side tangent when we're talking about Heretic Astartes. Uh, we looked at the um, the Indomitus box stuff this past week. You know what? We totally glossed over. Um, if they bring Astartes chainswords to kill team, does that mean that heretic Astartes and corn berserkers <laughs> will get them? Jesus, because that's yeah. scary. <laughs> um, from I might be mistaken in saying this. I think like the original models that had chainswords are still going to have their original chainsword stat, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know. 
That's we don't good. know yet. We'll just have to wait until Kill Team Annual 2020 and see if anything actually changes this time besides yeah. orc weapons. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I'm not sure that I, I really hope so because this is like it, it's a it's a huge opportunity, but also almost a necessity for them to revisit Kill Team and do a lot of rebalancing. Because if they try to just shoehorn some Indomitus stuff into Kill Team without like rebalancing the rest of Kill Team or severely nerfing the new stuff, like it's just going to be a disaster. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it, not like that hasn't happened before, though, Sean. Come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, come on. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's no excuse. That's no excuse for it to not happen. I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> uh, yeah, try making a podcast episode about a book that didn't change anything. Um, <laughs> then we can talk about pain. Um, all right. Uh, what else? Uh, what else is there that has piqued your interest so far along in this tournament? Any um, factions that surprise you with their performance, or I mean, I, we talked about Tyranids a little bit. Very surprising, personally. Um, uh, Harlequins. Yeah, so let's talk about them for a little bit, because they actually had the same win-loss percentage as Necrons. Um, six and two, so not as like dominant a performance as 18 and six, but, you know, it's still good. Still good win-loss. Um, so... Yeah, there was, like, three players, and... Uh... Like two of them made it out of groups or something like that. Just two, yeah. Two in and two in, and they both advanced. Um, yeah, three to six inch charges are pretty sweet. There, there's yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. I They're tell you what. Definitely good. Yeah, I mean, there's um, so there's none in the top eight. Yeah. But there was one in a round of sixteen and one of round of thirty-two. Um, just a just a really good faction for this. Uh, format um, for arena kill hold. I think they yeah they do really well, but I think there's they have one major weakness um, that's psychic phase. Um, mm-hmm. One of the Harlequin players had to play uh, the guy that made it to the round of sixteen ended up having to play Thousand Sons, and I mean there's not much you can do in that kind of matchup. Yeah, um, that four up invuln doesn't save you from anything. Yeah, I mean mortal wounds against these guys. I mean. It, it's, uh, the guy that I was just talking about, Fish in a Bucket, he lost in the round of 16 to 1,000 Suns. He also played Ray in group stages and lost to Ray because Ray, his Admac were putting through so many mortal wounds. Yeah. That it's like, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah, Harlequins on this format at 125 points, they can field anywhere between like uh, seven, I think, to nine models. Um, uh, eight was the number of models that I had to uh, contend with in my game against Harlequins. Fortunately, uh, before this tournament started, Shane had uh, written up a Blood Angels roster. I know I've talked about this before, but the whole point of this roster is to absolutely murder Toughness 3 models. So it's all Blood Angels, so their strength 4 plus 1 on the wound roll means that they're going to be wounding on 2s. A lot of those models have anywhere between... um, three to five to six uh like chain sword attacks relic blade attacks and when they go off they go off there was uh turn three of my game i was able to get two 
uh, just two of my models charged into four Harlequins, and they were able to just cut through all of them. Yeah, I just hit every injury roll that game. It was uh, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, I uh, on the topic of Harlequins, I think it's about time that we start considering different sub-factions for Harlequins. Um, people have been really tied to Frozen Stars, and uh, I think there's other options that are just as good, if not better. Um, Frozen Stars, for those of you that don't know, uh, when you charge or uh, get charged, uh, you get an additional attack. So the Harlequins who have four attacks get five attacks. Um, I personally don't think that this is what... I, I don't think we should be looking at the subfaction as the default for Harlequins. Um, I think that... Uh, I think Veiled Path is really interesting. Um, that's you... At the start of each fight phase, you roll two dice and you discard the higher result. And then that's that result is always a fail when your opponent rolls it through the fight phase. Um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, that obviously that could, you know, that can end up being useless potentially, but uh, yeah. pretty good odds that it isn't useless. Um, I think soaring spite might be even more interesting. Uh, your pistols become, they are treated as assault one weapons when you advance and then you don't yeah. suffer the penalty to advancing. So, um, those fusion pistols that they can take, I mean, they're, they're only like six inch range, but, uh, those things are like they're melta guns. <laughs> yeah, and you're moving they're, so fast anyway. You don't care. You got yeah, an eight yeah. inch move, and you're just flip belting over all the terrain, all the models. Yeah, I mean, Who you cares? could just look at it like like if a charge is, if a guy's like ten inches away, like more than ten inches away, then you just advance and shoot them. If they're less than ten inches away, then you go for that charge with a three d six. I think that that offers a lot more interesting play uh and uh, like opportunities than frozen stars does with just an extra attack for a faction that already gets a ton of attacks per model yeah as i was going through and um adding the rosters to the spreadsheet and also the fight club um i definitely saw a, a decent variety of of sub factions in there um i think the two that were in bats uh out of the two players there were three or four sub factions represented on their rosters and then over in the fight club out of 33 players i have logged i need to update that uh we had some drops and some late ads um there are four harlequin players uh over there out of 33 so um you know it's definitely one that people are interested in and let's see over there i see uh, one player has Dreaming Shadow slash Soaring Spite, then uh, Frozen Stars, Frozen Stars, Frozen Stars slash Soaring Spite. So, you know, people are definitely experimenting with it, if nothing else. Yeah, I would say um, I don't think Dreaming Shadow is that interesting to me. Um, it's certainly, it's probably worth looking at. I mean, basically, for those of you that don't know, um, you uh, you subtract one from nerve tests, which is nice, but the main piece is uh, when a model in your kill team is taken out of action, you roll a d6, and on a four up, they can make a shooting attack as if it were the shooting phase, or they can make a, a flat, like a close combat attack as if it were the fight phase. Um, I mean, it's on a four up, uh, you've got like nine models uh, at maximum. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, that one's interesting. A lot of people. Uh, like Midnight Sorrow, which is they get the six-inch consolidate and they get 
plus D six inches when they fall back. Um, it's okay. Uh, not that crazy to me. Um, I just don't know why people aren't looking at veiled paths and, uh, soaring spite a little bit more. You see, you mentioned there was one guy with soaring spite, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I had to, I don't know if he ended up actually taking it very often, um, over frozen stars. I'd, I'd have to ask the player, but every time I watched a, uh, Harlequin player in this tournament, they were taking frozen stars. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my uh, Harlequin subfaction rant. <laughs> <laughs> they've got some neat tricks up their sleeves. They've got um, they've got fire and fade, just like Jakari and Eldar do, which is very good for that already very mobile faction. Um, they've got plasma grenades. So if you're charged mm. Overwatch with that plasma nade, it's I think it's probably the best grenade in the game. Yeah, it's good. Just because, like, like I know that, like. Uh, uh, Rouse's demo charge. Yeah, yeah, like you. like barring that, <laughs> barring that, like out of like your normal, like take this for free, yeah. don't gotta, like just your standard grenade, plasma grenades are, are the best to to be overwatching with. What else do they got? They have this one tactic. Uh, so this tactic is called trickery and deception. Uh, use this tactic at the end of the movement phase. Choose two models from your kill team other than shaken models that are within eight inches of each other. Mark each model's position with a counter, then remove each model from the battlefield and place each model in the exact position the other previously occupied. If either of those models are no longer within one inch of any enemy models, they are considered to have fallen back even if they did not start the phase within one inch of an enemy model. If either of those models are within an inch of any enemy models, they are considered to have charged all enemy models within one inch. So what happened a a couple times, I believe, in my game was... This happened where I was able to have a few of my models charge um, a Harlequin model, and then another model of mine would charge another Harlequin model. They would be within eight inches of each other. Um, My opponent would uh, pay one CP to use this tactic, and he would swap those models. And because both those models were in combat, they were considered to have charged. So it kind of breaks the initiative order with uh charging models in the fight phase like that i think it's a very good tactic for just one cp yeah uh that's actually like you said they have some really cool tactics on that faction um there's just a lot of like neat little things they can do um one thing that i wish that we like thought of before and put out the statement because uh, by the time i realized that people were doing it i think it was too late and our looking players had already been doing it the entire tournament um that tactic that you're talking about, you rules as written, you should not be able to get vicious assault from it um, because you're considered to have charged for the purposes of like, you know, order of operations and hammer of wrath. But vicious assault does specify you actually have to successfully make charges in order to score it. Right. Um, I, I noticed Harlequin players were scoring that and people weren't really contesting it. But I think rules is written. That is not um, that that you can't get vicious assault with that. Yeah. Um, because it's not actually, you didn't make us charge. You're just considered to have charged for like, if you're a zealot specialist, then, then right. you get your bonus and so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean, your point though, uh, they have really cool tactics. They got cool ones in the uh, in the annual too. And they're one of those factions that's like, buy one box. <laughs> so, you know, it's a cool one to try out. Yeah. Um, at 125, actually, I think you need to have two. Yeah, you, you will need two. Um, but it's it's the same box. Um, 
they're yeah. I'm sure annoying to paint, but fun to paint. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, yeah, um, they're pretty sweet models. So it's one of those just attractive factions that you know I think we might start to see more of. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going through their tactics right now, like prismatic blare. That's a cool one. Yeah, like you just get an invuln, a three up invuln until the next round. That's that's mm-hmm. only one CP. Um, I didn't even know that one existed. <laughs> People have yeah. used it. Yeah. Uh, uh, they have um, like warrior acrobats, where like you basically it's like Hasriani had this tactic too, where you just get like an automatic six on your advance roll, essentially. Um, they have like a, their own like honor the chapter where they get to fight again. Uh, fire and fade um and like they had like blades of sagarach sagarach i don't know how that's pronounced it's my, a right it's a, it's it's a fake <laughs> word anyway it doesn't <laughs> my lore is failing me um they get like if they make a charge of over 10 inches or 10 plus um, which is pretty common for them they add two to their attacks characteristic Ooh, for that round thanks. oh my um, gosh yes yeah, so they get six attacks yeah, like they just have so many cool plays that they can make. Yeah. And I've also heard they're amazing in Commanders, so if we ever reach that stage <laughs> where people start playing that, then uh, maybe they'll be like top tier or something. I don't know. Yeah. I think Baronid was talking about like the Death Jester or whatever. Like they're one Commander's model, but it's really good, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's consider. that's an interesting discussion to have at some point. Yeah. Um, is that, yeah, Commander's almost been kind of bubbling under the surface as something that now people are talking about maybe we to give a second shot it rebalances elites it, you know so yeah i mean hey i was talking about how harlequins have that horrible psyker matchup well after <laughs> commanders they don't have a horrible psyker matchup so right. yeah i don't know uh but that's the conversation for another day <laughs> yeah <laughs> so let's let's move on uh, all right uh, i was a little bit surprised that uh adeptus Roritus did not do better uh, Sisters of Battle. They had a two and seven uh, win loss. Yeah. Um, there was Let's... one guy that got out of groups with them, but he lost in the round of thirty-two to Necrons. <laughs> he got he got out of the group stage with. Oh, maybe both of those wins were his. Okay. Yeah, they they were. That would make was... a lot more sense. I'm like, what happened in that group stage? Yeah, he, he was in Janice's group, so okay. he, there was only three players in that group, right. and he yeah, went yeah. two and zero oh against his two opponents, Janice oh, and the other okay. guy. Okay. So he got out with first and then got seated against Necrons and lost. <laughs> yeah. How did, uh, but how, I, did this, I think... how did this happen? They have the best melee model in the game. Yeah, oh, it's Necrons. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I wish. Uh, the, the seriously, though, the Arco is there. The Endurant Zealot is just bonkers. It's up there. Um, I will say that uh, I, I think sisters of battle unlike some of the other factions near the bottom like death watch and death guard i don't actually think they're bad on arena or in general um i think that they're quite good actually i'm, I'm like scratching my head because people are really struggling to make them work um but i've had a lot of success playing them i haven't brought them to like an event or anything so i don't know if yeah i don't know well, how not, much i can say for it well like not everyone just like every month makes a new roster that just completely breaks like the meta like, <laughs> so i don't well what can i say yeah no, i mean you I know, think sisters are good though yeah yeah, yeah. no i think most uh, you know we could probably run this tournament again and see this entire chart flipped you know yeah, because 
it's except for Necrons. They'd stay up there. Except for Necrons. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like pilot skill matters. You know, sometimes more than we give it credit for. Like, you know, we like to go into the salt channel and complain about dice after games, and because it, it is a dice game, but you know, it. You know, we can't take away from the players who really know what they're doing, um, and. Um, players who are maybe just trying out a faction for the first time. That's one of the sweet things about Tabletop Simulator, is that there's no buy-in if you want to try out something new. Right. So we might be seeing some of that uh, in these results, too. Um, yeah. On the high end and the low end. Is, um, you know, maybe all these high end, you know, high win percentage teams are very uh, beginner friendly to people who are just picking them up for the first time um, or particularly good for the format and then some of the other ones you know people are just uh, they need a little bit more time before a player can develop the skill with them um, so yeah. yeah I mean it's, it's definitely cool you know it's 64 people that's a big tournament but you know grand scheme of things that's this isn't a ton of data so um, it'll be cool to see as we progress through different tournaments how um, how consistent these these percentages stay, or if they go up and down as new players pick up new factions. Yeah, I mean, I think Sisters of Battle are in that stage right now where they've been around like for a few months, and people are kind of like trying them out for the first time. Um, you can compare it to like Sisters of Silence, who are like essentially brand new, relatively, and like nobody's playing them quite yet. But I think in a few months we'll start to see the Sisters of Silence players kind of like creep out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there is some merit to saying that uh, probably a couple of these Sisters players might have been trying them for the first time. Um, the guy that got out of groups, uh, from what I saw, he seemed like a pretty good player. He did beat Janice, which is worth something. Um, and on top of that, he, uh, he, he, I mean, he lost, but he lost to Necrons. So uh, that's pr the most dominant team in the, in the meta right now. Uh, I personally think actually on that topic uh i think sisters actually have a pretty solid matchup against necrons just want to throw that out there into the uh <laughs> into, into the, the void, void. Yeah. yeah i think they do no well you're right them. i mean that that endurance model it can get like like what what is it like 21 attacks or something like that but it's still a one damage weapon if i'm not mistaken the arco yeah. flails yeah, so no, I mean, I think uh, across the board, I mean, you can take the Heavy Flamers. Those do pretty well against Necrons. Yeah. Um, the Arcos do really well against Necrons. Uh, the, the, even the uh, Repentia. I mean, it's only a two-damage yeah. weapon, and it's yeah, got a pretty right. good odd of getting to the injury table against um, even a Lich Guard. Yeah. Uh, and then throw Gottfrit on top of that, and maybe Pius, too. Pius oh, yeah, I forgot. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they're they're scary man they just uh, they need some more rules from games workshop and i think they'll be uh they have the potential to be like a top faction maybe uh later down the line is there anything else I, mean, there, even... I could go all day just going on this list with with takes um <laughs> you keep going man you've seen yeah. a lot of games <laughs> i dude i've watched and would so many games it's there was a period a couple weeks ago where I felt like Kill Team was just melting into my like brain state at all times. Like I was just constantly thinking about it. And then I was TOing games and I was getting worried that I would like mess up a ruling or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've watched so, Death Watch. We can talk about Death Watch. They're right yeah. down there at the bottom with Death Guard and uh, Sisters. Yes. Death Watch went one in five. There was two Death Watch players. So we're kind of used to seeing Death Watch at the bottom of these. <laughs> these lists uh when it comes to tournament performances yeah, yeah. uh 
I don't ever think that arena was the best format for them. So it's not a huge surprise. Um, but I will say in some of the games I was watching, they were like, I didn't ever see death watch get like stopped. Yeah. They were it's always, always close games. It's always so funny. Cause you, you kind of see them hanging out at the bottom of tier lists and at, and at the results from these tournaments and, you know, Death Watch players were always talking about, you know, things that need to be fixed in the faction and how, you know, they need a rebalancing to be able to keep up. But then at the same time, you, you see people just like raging about playing against Death Watch and getting hit by Frag Cannon spam or Storm Shield spam or something like that. So that it, it, it's just an interesting combination of, you know, of, of uh, factors that play there. Um, but yeah, like special, special issue ammunition, needs something to be tweaked because you could that could get out of hand if um if it's not balanced properly but at the same time it's like death watch players when making rosters go out of their way to avoid taking weapons that use special issue ammunition which is like their whole thing you know because the tax is just way too much like i don't want to spend an extra two points for my bolt pistol like that's dumb um and I think that's that's the thing. Once you get to 125 points, so many other factions gain so much from being at 125. Um, and then Death Watch is still spending that extra tax for every model they want to bring, pretty much. Um, yeah. And they just, I don't know, they just kind of get left behind. Yeah. I mean, Ryan, you have a lot of experience playing Death Watch. So is there yeah. anything, like, do you have any input on this? You know, I used to I used to think at one point that they had a good matchup against Necrons, but then Flayed One spam happened, and so all the Storm Shields with Power Swords just went away. Because what, what are you gonna do? There's so many attacks, like you're, and they're it's not AP anyway, so it's just points cost inefficient to be running those guys. Um, I'm the proud owner of four. One, two, three, four, Death Watch Frag Cannons. <laughs> what I have found with the Frag Cannons, uh, I, I would say exclusively on Arena, it's that it's, they sound so good, but they're a one-damage weapon with their auto-hit profile. So if you get charged from out of line of sight and you spend the one CP to do the... Um, yeah, the point blank Overwatch. Yeah, um, there it's so you're auto hitting. You're gonna get your you're gonna get a lot of wounds through, um, but it's still a one damage weapon. And then you've got it. It's just a coin flip. And all your guys that can take all the good guns, they're all only one wound anyway. And if you take those good guns, there's no way of keeping those models alive, because. It's not like in big 40k where you, I can like equip a a death watch veteran with like a storm bolter and a storm shield. You just can't do that in kill team. So let's say you take the frag the frag cannon guy and he'll just he'll just die to anything. He'll die to psychic attacks, mad easy. You're basically playing a Stardes with a frag cannon with the option to take frag cannons, except they are more expensive and they don't have battle brothers and they don't have death deny i would even argue that death watch should be the faction to have death deny 
not Astartes because you're going to be running so few models and Astartes can bring so much more as a faction. Like if Deathwatch really wants to like get up there, like they need they need uh they need a tactic like Death Deny. Um like they've got one tactic where it's like uh like Faith is my armor or something. And it's like they ignore a single mortal wound on a roll of a five up. It's like one or two CP. It's like, come on. When are you gonna use that? Yeah. They um, get they get promoted out of the Astartes to Death Watch and they get dumber. Yeah, they sure. get they yeah. they they get they don't get anything. Um, yeah. All the Primaris models, it's like, all right, they're more expensive. They get special issue ammunition, but special issue ammunition isn't ain't nothing compared to like the frag cannon or uh yeah, it's just uh, it's just tough for that faction. Um, what was I going to say? I. It's going to sound kind of crazy, but I think if you're doing Death Watch nowadays, I think you got to put as many Terminators as possible in your list. As many shooty Terminators as possible. I'm talking like Terminators with Storm Bolters, so you're going to get the the special issue ammunition out of those Storm Bolters. Like an 8-point Storm Bolter? Yeah. Isn't it literally 8 points? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Put a Power Fist on them and then put a Rocket Pod on them, man. Oh and just God. let them yeah and just let them go because they're so elite you got to make these guys as killy and as killy as possible in every phase of the game like uh oh i mean think about it the one heretic game that we saw or the one game where they played against uh, heretics i think um back in the command point invitational like the last model on the board was that terminator and that terminator was putting in work oh that wasn't against heretics that was against my orcs <laughs> ah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I can confirm though that, that that Terminator was scary. I I don't know enough about their points costs and, and their their options to I I literally say for sure. That, yeah, I think the loadout that I'm talking about is like 48 points or something. So you, <laughs> you might just have to bite the bullet and bring two Terminators kitted out to the gills, and then just a leader model with a bolt gun. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the. Uh... That faction needs something though. Give them storm yes, shields. Do. Give them storm shields and storm bolters. Give them something. Anyway, I'm I'm done ranting about Death Watch now. <laughs> See, I knew we could get a good rant out of you. I brought up Death Watch. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. Here's something we can talk about. Uh, all of the teams that we mentioned in our top five scariest made it to top eight, except for one, and that is Asriani. Yeah. Um, couple things i want to say about this uh for starters there's only two Austriani players um so it's not like we have a huge sample size uh but one of them was alex Narak, who we've interviewed in the pod he was top eight at lvo he was second at the invitational uh he's a very good player one of the best players in the world um he was at this tournament and he did make round of 16 so it's not like there was no good Austriani here at all um it's just weird to me that there was only two, yet we had like seven or eight Drakari players. Um, let me actually pull up the exact numbers. We had seven Drakari players, um, but we only had two Ostrayani. Like, what is it about Drakari that makes people think that they're that much better on Arena than Ostrayani? Because I really don't think so. I think um, aesthetics matter. You know, I, I think they're cooler looking and um, 
that matters more than we maybe want to believe it does to a lot of people. Hey man, I mean, I disagree. You I like you like your spiky cool. elves to your smooth elves. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Right. Uh, is this depic- really like? Is this like the common perception? Because I think normal Eldar look better, personally. Really? Yeah, I mean that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm like maybe I'm going to the dark side. I just maybe. picked up uh, Unmade as my one Warcraft yeah, band Sean, that I have. <laughs> Sean walks into a hot coffee, <laughs> and now we are now we're here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I think that Asuriani are just as good in arena, if not better than. Drakari. I don't know why there's this like. I feel like there's this like stigma where people say that Eldar. All right. So, 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 I don't know. so, so, why do you think? Why do you think that? Because from just looking at both of these factions, it feels like Drakari have. It seems like on the surface they have a better. They're just better in close combat as a faction overall. So, I don't know if I would what about say Asuriani? that. Yeah, no, I'm saying on the surface, you know, they've got these big yeah. hulking grotesques. They got, they all got like four up invulns if you kid them out, right? Um, so yeah, just just tell us why you think Asuriani are arguably better than Drakari. Yeah, so for me, it's the Striking Scorpion Exarchs and the Howling Banshee Exarchs. Those models are beasts in melee. Um Drakari don't have anything that come close to those. Maybe like the Clavex, you could say, but it's still mostly a one damage weapon uh, with some yeah. RNG making it three damage. Right. Uh, I, I don't see a Clavex. In my eyes, a Clavex is better than either of those models. Um, yeah, that uh, Drakari have grotesques, which are, you know, pretty scary. The four wounds, toughness five, four up invuln. But uh, I mean, if Eldar players just bit the bullet and started running like Wraith Blades and Wraith Guards a little bit more often, then I don't think this would be a problem. I mean, a Wraith Blade is that's scarier to me than a Finger of Task. I mean, it's got a four right. up invuln as well, um, only three wounds, but it's toughness six. Um, it's got a three up base save, so sometimes you're not even going to be rolling that. And you, uh, if you take Ulthway, you get the six up feeling low pain, just like yeah. your Kari do. Do they also have a? Do they also have an invuln, or is it just a three up save? The Wraith Blade has a four up invuln if you take the good weapon. <laughs> if you take the good weapon all right yeah you're, you're never really going to run it with the with the ghost swords you're always going to run it with the ghost axe right um and the ghost axe comes with the uh with the with the force shield or whatever the whatever it's called it's, it's yeah. a four up involved um uh, wraith blade is a beast especially on arena uh wraith guard too a fantastic option a really good model um, the D scythe can seriously clog a hallway. It's like the scariest flamer in the game, debatably. Kills uh, Necrons. Yeah, it does pretty well against Necrons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, your your heavy weapons platform isn't going to get to sit in a corner and shoot the whole map like they can on open. But they're still shooting lanes on some maps on Arena, and when there aren't, you you can easily drop the heavy weapons platform and and run something else. I mean. Eldar have a lot of models. They they have a lot of good models. Um, they're really high mo- high mobility. Um, I mean, fusion guns and flamers out of those storm guarding gunners are. Yeah. I mean, the, the utility is there for them to be still pretty flexible in most matchups. Um, yeah, I'm not saying Drakari aren't good or that Austriani are like like clearly ahead of them, but in my eyes on on arena, I don't think Eldar get enough respect. That's just well. Me. And you just power fisted them out of the meta. 
So they're going to disappear for a while. And yeah, gonna Shane, come, what the hell? They're going to come back now with your with those Wraith Blades. Like, bigger yep. matter. And yeah, you know what would have scared me against Alex is if he took a Wraith Blade. I'm serious. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's... My, my Astartes, like, Templars are really, really good against Eldar. Um, I was thinking, I was saying this before the tournament, before I played him. Um, it's just, that's just the matchup. Um, for the record, I... I think I do just as well against Drakari when I take uh, my Blood Angels. So I think Eldar are real good on Arena, and I don't think they look less cool than Drakari. So there's no excuse for people to only jump on Drakari right now. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know why I'm complaining that people aren't playing Eldar after months and months of Eldar, but yeah, I think it's a valid. Uh, I think I'm making some valid points here. What do you know? I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on on this uh, Eldar dilemma? I wish there were more because, you know, they seem like a pretty good faction to potentially counter Necrons. Yeah, I don't know. I think we've been, I think we've like seen this life cycle and like it looked like Asriani where like they figured out Necrons, but I don't think so. I think yeah. Necrons still do pretty well against them. Yeah, and I think that people, you know, kind of going along with my aesthetic comment before, like it sounds silly, but, you know, I do think that is a big part of this game. It's, it's, it's a hobby game as much as it's a, a competitive game. And it's kind of hard to have a, a strict, strictly competitive game when there's so many, there's so when there's so much RNG involved, um, yeah. and not just like you know combat phases. You know you roll lots of dice and you you can do a lot of damage or a little damage, like just fundamental turning points of the game with um, initiative rolls and decisive strike roll offs and things like that. You know at a point you just got to say, you know screw it, I'm gonna take what I like. And it might not be the most powerful thing on paper, but it's what I like. And people have their pet factions, and that's what they play. So I kind of have a feeling that's why that there might be a little underrepresented uh, in the numbers, just because people would rather, you know, play their their cool models on the screen than actually, uh, yeah. um, you know, try to. Yeah, I mean, I also failed to bring up that Drakari are kind of a pain in the butt to build and. Like assemble an actual team compared to Austriani. Yeah, uh, Austriani was a pain in the butt. I, I like I did buy a roster. Actually, you're right. I, yeah. I, I copied Michael Tioli's roster model for model just because I wanted somewhere to start. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? I gotta buy like six boxes and deal with striking scorpion fine cast." And like, yeah, actually, good point. I re- yeah. I take back <laughs> what I just said. Austriani are just as hard to build. This is your one chance to play them. <laughs> They're like the best team in the whole game, other than Necrons. So like. What are we doing? Yeah. 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 I did buy color shift paint too to mess around with that. So I've got to get right around to trying that out. I think they'll look cool on Eldar. Then maybe I'll think I'd... they'll look cooler than uh than Drukari. Yeah. I'd love to build an Eldar team, but I don't know. I'm really tied to like it's pretty low on my priorities, I guess. Anyway, I mean I shouldn't be complaining about this. I'm over here playing Adaptus Astartes in this tournament, so <laughs> Yeah. But hey, you know. Anything anything else interesting? Were there any games in particular that you guys have been able to watch that stuck out to you? Well, I did commentaries on yours with Alex. Touched on that a little bit, and it seems, you know. Was that uh, the one against... Um, it was power fisting. Yeah. Talking about the game where he went up against uh, Dark Angels. Uh that game was a disaster and a half for both of us. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to talk about it a little bit? Good. 
Yeah, that, sure. that was that, that was cool though. Like it's worth talking about because it was a disaster, <laughs> but like that made it. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for high level kill team, I don't think that uh, that was the game to look for. I think no. since James, James, and myself both made our fair share of mistakes, but uh, it was definitely. I mean, it sounded like it was fun for the audience, I guess, to watch. Um, I basically I got closed in my deployment zone turn one in the the map with like the corner deployments. So he like vet moved and then decisive moved and like locked me in. Um, and I, I allowed this to happen despite having a veteran on my list, like standing at the doorway that I could have just vet moved with, but I got greedy and didn't. Um, so that was bad play number one. Uh, but it's like doubled when you consider that I took engineer and data recovery. So I, I lost a point on engineer immediately lost data recovery turn one because I got completely locked into my deployment zone. Um, and yet I still somehow managed to, uh, to, to win it barely. Um, I think there was like some uh, people are saying that like the game was like one, if James like moved a certain guy here on the last turn, but he didn't. And he went for like the high risk play and it ended up working out for me. Um, I personally wasn't even thinking about it at the time, like during the game, but I, I guess like, it was just blunders. We we both made some blunders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had, he did have the win on the board, like it was a one hundred percent. But um, yeah, it was just a falling back out of combat or something like that. So yeah, um, yeah. So, but I mean, it was just cool to watch. I mean, it was maybe cool is a weird word. You had to you had to crawl your way out and yeah like that's always exciting to watch like you know everybody loves an underdog and at that point like not as a player or as a team necessarily but the position that you got put in turn one like you had to crawl out of a huge hole and just to incrementally see it start to happen was was very exciting um and like every turn that went on we were able to identify like okay here are his objectives. This is what he has to do. And we like lay we could like lay out a list of every point you could score and then just slowly watch it happen. It was it was cool. Yeah. So um in that game you played against uh Dark Angels Astartes. Um how do you feel about them as a sub faction, at least in that game on that particular deployment? Well, before that game I kind of thought that they were bad, but the way that James played them. He had a really interesting setup with like these guys with storm shields and like plasma pistols who would just sit there and like ready up and shoot you and like reroll their ones. And like you could probably also do some stuff with like an eliminator where you just set them up on the right spot on the board and then just ready up. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Dark Angels is uh, you, if you don't move in a, in a like a movement phase, then your models reroll ones to hit. Um, I don't know if like, I, I don't think you can make like a big argument that it's better than salamanders, but like there's the potential for it to be really good. If like, you spam plasma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like the way he was playing it, you would say it, it worked out. He just played that faction. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I think he had, a, he had a pretty interesting setup. Um, I mean, James is a good player. He, uh, he almost got me. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I had to make a lot of three up saves. Like, I don't think the math was like in my favor heavily, but, um, or not the math. I don't think the dice were in my favor heavily, but, uh, I, I did make my fair share of saves. Um, and I was able to, to whittle down and kill his, uh, thunder hammer dude sitting in the middle. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, 
it was a tight game. I was I was sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, your game with Sheldon was really good. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I did get to take out one Necron player. So so that was exciting. Hey. Um, felt felt good about that. So um, Sheldon brought just uh, twelve flayed ones. So um, the nice thing there is that it. You know, it was just kind of using big multi-wound wa- uh, models to to soak it up. Um, so I, I ran my I, I ran the big bugs again. Um, I was really excited to to end up bringing Gene Steelers uh, to to one game this tournament, and it just didn't ever make sense to to bring lots of Gene Steelers. So so I went with the actually like the the Space Marine equivalent loadout of uh, two Lictors, four Raveners with Rending Claws uh, for some AP, and then uh, one Gene Stealer as a combat spec with Acid Maw. So four attacks, AP minus three. Um, and it, um, my opening move was to Vet move into the center of the board. Um, I did that so because I, t- I took uh, Domination as one of my secondaries. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I like about the big bugs um, is that it's a lot of wounds on the board, and um, they can kind of they, they physically take up a lot of space, but they're also so fast that they can hop back and forth between combats and objectives. Um, they, they can survive holding uh objectives in combat a little bit longer than some some other models um so i decided that i was going to clog up the middle uh, and go for domination because i knew that i could um i could get into a good position on turn one so anyway so event moved um with my lictor that i also called an engineer so that i could score my engineering point on turn one so he'd get the engineer point. He would be a body on the center objective for claiming that objective. He would be in the domination ring, um, and he would block a veteran move that would come in to close the door in front of my deployment on that side. Um, so, so I put him there, and then I um, he vet moved up one of my flanks, and his objective was to hold the perimeter, which he did max. Um, because I left that side just completely open. So he came over to my deployment zone turn one and started scoring a hold the perimeter. Um, so um, I won initiative and I did run two lictors forward or two raveners forward. Um, just 12 inch normal move and got to shut doors out in front of them. Um, so that bought me some time to get uh, to hold the middle. And um, I guess long story short, by the time he actually got enough bodies in the middle to to start hacking away with flayed ones, um, I just kind of outlasted him. Um, Lictors did a ton of work there, taking out flayed ones. Um, I kind of started the first turn or two by um, by spreading out some flesh wounds and then slowly taking them out. Um, he would get, or in, in one side of the board, he got a, a Ravener down to one wound remaining, and I just retreated out of combat and then charged in with a, a fresh Lictor 
and took out both those guys. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I um, having him having no AP, so allowing me to have five up saves on models with three or four wounds really helped. Even though he was like hitting, you know, all three hits with re rolls, all three wounds with re rolls go to saves i save one or two and then no injury roll because he didn't actually you know get bring me down to zero so um the big bodies did uh they paid off there so i'm sorry uh, i heard you say uh he maxed hold the perimeter and i kind of blacked out yeah uh, <laughs> yeah I just I'm got a, back a, um, he was <laughs> yeah. no i think shane was shane were you making coffee or something just now <laughs> Yeah, I muted myself halfway through. I realized it might be kind of loud. Yeah, I made myself a late <laughs> cup of coffee. Um, anyway, yeah. Oh, so, hold the perimeter uh, with Necrons. So, I watched it. I do know what he did. He put the two guys in the corners, and he that moved another guy into the opposite corner because he knew you were never going to go for it. Um, I uh, Of course, that the guy who made the packet had to defend his own secondary... <laughs> Yeah, um, that, that might be the first time it's ever been maxed. Um, he was so but, proud of himself for that, and like he specifically said, like, so take that, everybody who said this is a bad secondary. Um, well, I mean, he wound up losing the game, so yeah, I was actually gonna say, having watched the game, <laughs> having those three flayed ones just doing nothing, like, okay, yeah, they got the maxed secondary, but if he had taken like a different, like, more offensive secondary and he had thrown three more flayed ones into the mix. Do you think that would have been a problem for your um, game plan more than him getting hold of perimeter? Yeah, I think it would have, you know, because, <laughs> well, you know, maybe not. So, I mean, I guess as his opponent, I was thrilled to see him tucking three guys away into corners. So, you know, <laughs> I was I was very happy that I did not have to deal with those guys throwing dice. Um, and just looking at the fact that I had multiple big bugs down to one wound if they had another guy attacking them, they'd probably be dead. So, um, but that being said, I don't know if there would have physically been room to get another guy into combat because those hallways were pretty full. Um, he was already like attacking through his models, which by the way, it's ridiculous that flayed ones are still on 25 millimeter bases. That's just GW being lazy and not wanting to put out updated decent kits. Um, they could at least put out a memo that says, you know, that they should now be on 32 millimeter bases um, because 25 millimeters converts to 0.98 inches, which means that you can go base to base with a flayed one and they can go base to base behind their flayed one and the guy behind will be within an inch. So <laughs> the fact that they are on an out of date base is a huge advantage. So anyway, um, but yeah, I still don't know if he would have been able to fit more bodies in those combats. Well, there was that right side. Well, I guess it was for you as the left. It was that hall hallway um, that really there wasn't much going on. There was one lictor over there at one point, and he got in yeah. combat with, like, one guy. Um, yeah. If there weren't those two guys on that side in the corners, that could have been three flayed ones in combat with that lictor. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a different game. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, that was part of my, my goal, too, with going through those center hallways was to limit his ability to gang up on me because I knew one-on-one uh, -on -one I would probably do okay. Um, and if I had to like one against his two with a charge, I'd probably be okay. But if I ended up on the more open areas and he could just like surround me, then he just sliced me up. So 
Um, I figured if I, you know, I'd, I'd give up that side if I had to. Um, and uh, yeah, though, I mean, I saw that game. I think you played really well. Um, I think it was like a really like interesting game to watch mm-hmm. uh, from both sides. I think both you and Sheldon had really interesting game plans and it was kind of interesting to see them kind of clash. Uh, and it was also cool to see, uh, you know, Tyranids, a team that's kind of fallen out of the meta a little bit, um, take a win over uh, Necrons, kind of like the the darling right now in the meta who, who have been kind of unstoppable. Yeah, and I'd, I'd switch up some things about my roster. Um, I liked the idea of Gorgon, you know, re-rolling wounds of one, especially, you know, and the thing with Toxin Sacks was kind of cute, and I never actually got to use it. Um um, actually, it was the game today where I got stomped that I got to make one attack with a gene stealer that had toxin sats on it, uh, and I rolled and I rolled fives. <laughs> so like I didn't get to do my super exploding sixes, but um, but yeah, I would switch up specialisms a little bit. Um, you know, uh, of lictors are awesome in combat, but being able to vet move a ravener twelve inch normal move to to close a door and turn zero like would have been awesome in in some games um and uh i found there a lot of times when i was just kind of stranded out in the open so you guys know and some other people i think saw me play some test games where i'm trying out uh shooty big bugs so i can have six multi-wound models on the board that throw five dice in combat but they also take three shots at range because uh, they have devours in addition, so um, and that gives them a feel no pain also. So yeah, I think there's some room to play with Tyranids still. Um, that it doesn't just have to be war a couple warriors and then gaunt spam. You know, uh, big bugs were awesome against the threat of psychic, uh, and Tyranids can shoot. They don't have a ton of AP, which is a problem. They don't have a ton of multi damage, which is a problem. Um, but they they ha- can can do a lot in terms of having elite verse horde style lists and um, some shooting versus melee, uh, and they're just fast. So, so yeah, they're 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 worth revisiting for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that. Uh... Hopefully, like after this packet, we can move towards, you know, formats that are a little bit more friendly to hordes, because I think right now we're at like an all time low for horde teams. Um, so maybe we could even see a little bit more like, you know, uh, like gaunt spam stuff in the future or like, you know, like because right now you really can't take more. You can't take 15, 16 bodies and expect to win. Um, it's just. It's, it's too easy. Realistic. It's too easy to overlap secondaries with primaries and stuff like that. Like, kill a yeah. and score four points. You know, it's. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, I mean, you have. I mean, things like Reaper, which against these horde teams are very easy. Like, like the eighteen gods, two warriors list. Like that list, you're going to get Reaper against it every game forever. Um, but what really hurts is they add that secondary that's really easy against hordes, but. Um, there's no longer like the really easy horde secondaries, like positionals. Like we got rid of a lot of those with, with BAO. So I think, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty rough. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that your big bug 
team was an interesting um, adaptation to the meta and, and proof that you can still make that team work. Yeah. Credit to Bearnid. Stole it from him. I made it Gorgon, which might have also been him in a comment somewhere or something. Um, <laughs> hey, man. Hey, Bearnid but... has, not, uh, has not gotten top eight with Tunans in a while. So Yeah, and I think... He was really high on yeah, and he was really high on that big bug list, and then he didn't do too hot with it. But it was LVO, so yeah, it's open. So I was uh, I was I was stoked to run it in arena. All right, so uh, we're clocking in at almost an hour and a half right now. So um, I think we're just gonna wrap it up here, if that's all right with you guys. Unless you got something else on your mind. Yeah, I think we've like at this point we're it would be like a new episode. yes yeah you're right if you enjoyed listening to this episode hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating as always thank you for listening and we'll see you soon on another episode of the command point podcast